Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, a podcast all about, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I will be interviewing artists and exploring the genre I love. My hope is that you will begin to love it as much as I do, if not more. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming podcast news. All right, let's get into it. I'm with my main man, Young World, who recently signed with the Black Soprano family. For those of you that don't know, that's Benny the Butcher's label. Um, Huge move. Benny the Butcher, obviously, part of the Griselda crew as well. Um, I mean, you're a really impressive young artist, to be honest. Like, you've, you've done... I think a freestyle on Sway, you've got an album coming out, Blue, you've been working on producing, you're a songwriter. So you've got a lot of things that you're actually working on in the background. And now you're starting to see that kind of recognition come through. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's truly a blessing. And it's, it's crazy. Coming from our, our city, Buffalo, we always get slighted. We never really get, we never really get the respect that we deserve, even when it comes to even something like sports. Even the Buffalo Bills, you know, we got a good football team. Finally, we're doing good things for our, for our sports, uh, our sports people. But even with that, we never get the respect that we deserve just because we come from Buffalo. You know what I'm saying? So especially um, breaking into the industry when you're coming from the, a place where you're known as the underdog, you know, your whole life. It's just crazy to finally get the opportunity and the recognition that you deserve for everything that you've been working hard for. You know, especially coming from Benny, who's so respected in the game already. Yeah, and Benny, you know, he his rise was, you know, only like three or four years ago in terms of how quickly he shot up. But he showed that, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the game. If you can really kind of stay consistent, if you can show that you're doing something different, you're going to be able to really rise through the ranks. Most definitely, most definitely. He, and you know, it kept it original never really switched his sound to to try to be more industry-like, you know what I'm saying? Never really sold out in a sense. Kept it original, kept it real Buffalo, kept it real gutter because that's what he's true to. Yeah, and and part of that obviously clicked for you So because you've done a bit of producing for him as well, haven't you? Like you've, you've worked on the sounds and know that you did Grams on the Water. You have a video on YouTube that explains how you actually mix and master that kind of beat, which was really interesting to watch. Yes, sir. You know, we come from a, a a real rugged city, so we wanted to incorporate that sound, especially in our music, and kind of translate that to the listeners so you can get that feel, feel like you in the trenches in Buffalo, you know what I'm saying? So Grams in the Water came about, they actually already had the song um, pretty much done, and this was for the mixtape with DJ Drama. And pretty much what happened was, rest in peace to DJ Shea, but one day, you know, he was like, he. everybody knows I produce already in the whole camp, the whole Black Soprano. They know I produce and everything, make beats and all of that. And I'm, I'm well-versed in, in instruments as well. You know, I went to school to study music music and everything. So I know how to play. And they needed something done to the Grams on the Water beat because it was a sample at first. And they was like, yo, we can't, we can't clear it, but we need this song. This is going to be a single. So we need you to work your magic, you know? So they put it in my hands and I just took it from there and um made it to what it is now. And, you know, obviously the artist on the song killed it as usual. Classic piece. Yeah, well, I mean, he does sign just fantastic artists. Like he's, you know, he knows what he wants from his artists. He doesn't sign people, you know, accidentally. He he goes after artists that, that he really likes. And obviously he really liked you as well. But tell me about 
you know, studying music. What was that like in terms of, you know, going to school and having to take classes? And, you know, a lot of the people that I speak to, their study is literally just listening to the artists that they like versus actually going to school and picking up the, the theory behind it too. Yeah, yeah. So I started out playing instruments originally when I was really young, like since I could remember, you know, probably kindergarten. Um, and it was like this little music lessons place right down the street from my Boy Scout that I used to go to. And we, me and my older sister used to just walk down there after Boy Scout and Girl Scout and take our music lessons. Um, and then after that, you know, when you get in school, um, pretty much they, you gotta, you gotta do music in some way, whether it's chorus, band, orchestra, you know, they have you, they have you in music throughout your day. Um, so I kind of picked up the trumpet from there. In fourth grade, I picked up the trumpet and that became like my primary instrument for a really long time. I played trumpet since fourth grade all the way through college. And, um, you know, it just, I got a lot of experience studying it in a classical sense, even music theory, um, understanding how music works in, in and um, more technical, from a more technical standpoint, you know, learning the terminology for certain things. When you hear something, you're like, yo, what is that? I know how to explain it in a musical sense, but what's the actual technical term for it? even learning that terminology can even sometimes put you in rooms with people who you otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to because you understand music at a different level, you know, from a different perspective, you understand if somebody's trying to, if you're trying to get a certain point across musically, you know how to do it because you know, you understand the music theory, you understand where it comes from, the roots, you know, understanding the roots of pretty much any type of music is really important as well. So studying classical music helped me a lot and even just the compositions, um, from the composition perspective, learning how to put songs together, A section, B section, C section, bridges. And, you know, so when it comes to songwriting, when I'm writing a song, I know how to structure a song from that comes from music theory as well. Do you feel like that when you work with people, you are teaching them about, you know, your, your understanding of, of music and understanding of writing songs and you're going, this is what I want to try and do. And I want to elevate my craft to hit the musical theory, not just sound quote unquote good. Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of people, I feel like when they go to make a song, most artists, they just want to just make it sound good, like you said. Um, but they're not really understanding what they're actually doing has terms for it. What they're actually doing has, you know, there's certain rules you know music is a music is one of those things where there's technical rules to what you can and can't do whether it's chord changes or chord progressions what should come next and things like that and a lot of people stick to this certain structure but when you understand music on a to the to the level that i understand it it allows you to push those boundaries allows you to push artists that i'm working with if i'm working with someone as far as writing a song or producing for them i can push those boundaries and and even explain it in a way where i'm giving them knowledge now you know i'm passing the knowledge on it's not like I understand it just for myself because I am an artist, but even when I work with other people, you know, being able to have teaching moments, you know, and the experience is important to me as well, because now I feel like we didn't just make a song together. You actually, now you're a better artist coming out of this after working with me as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And do you feel like there's a point that most artists are missing out on? Like, is there is something that you find that, you have to talk about a lot like is there like a lesson that you're like i wish everybody knew before making tracks um i wish everybody knew um some of the some of the basic music theory um lessons or or kind of just terms and ways that things should work like even as simple as understanding an a section a b section 
or even C-sections and bridges and how to just structure a song instead of just going on a song willy-nilly. Like a lot of people don't go in the studio, it's like a common thing now. And I do this sometimes where they don't write it down. They don't really have any intention going into the session that they're about to do. They just kind of just go in front of the mic and just whatever comes out, comes out. And then they leave it up to the engineer or the producer to kind of piece it together and make it sound good. But they don't really have the understanding of why this works better here, why this piece works better here. They kind of just spit it all out and then let you put the pieces together. You know what I'm saying? So, and I have an engineering background as well. I own a studio in my um, hometown. So for a couple of years, I was running a studio and a lot of artists would come to the studio and just be like, I'm gonna say this, but just leave it up to me to be like, all right, now you make it sound good. So I wish a lot of, most artists just had the, the common knowledge of, well, the basic knowledge of just learning how to structure a song and what they're trying to accomplish, they should just know how to go about it from, okay, start here, 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 and then we end up here with this product instead of just going in there and just doing whatever. Well, there are a lot of artists who, you know, there are stories in the industry for artists who know how to write rhymes and they know how to flow, but they don't know how to structure a song. And that's where, you know, the game to me, when he started his career, he is one of those artists where, you know, he was working with Dr. Dre and Dr. Dre partnered him with 50 Cent because he didn't know how to structure songs. And to me, 50 Cent is one of the perfect examples of hooks. He knows how to structure a song from, you know, here are the bars, here are the hooks, how do I make it catchy? But some artists just don't have that click. And I think what you're doing is obviously helping, but also it's showing that the engineer and the producer are so important to music. And I some feel like sometimes that gets forgotten in the background. It definitely does. It definitely does. By the way, side note, 50 Cent is top three of my favorite artists of all time because exactly what you said. And it's not even that he's the most lyrical artist in the world. A lot of times people listen to rappers and they're like, all right, what, okay, where's the bars? Where's the punchline, the metaphors? And it's like, it's not even about that all the time. It's about, can you make a good song? You know how many good songs there are or hit songs that really are super repetitive. They say the same thing. They probably only got four to five different parts or lines of a song that actually are different from each other. The rest of it is just the same thing over and over, it's just in a different way and they made it sound good. Sonically, it sounds great. You might not get, you know, 50 Cent, you might not get the most lyrical song, but you're gonna get a song that is a hit record. You know what I'm saying? And that comes from just learning how to structure a song and how to make it sound good, no matter what you're saying. I believe 50 Cent and a lot of other artists as well, are some, some people can just go in the studio and make it sound good. It doesn't even matter if it makes sense or not with the lyrics. That's just that's a whole nother aspect, but just making it sound good is a talent and a skill in itself. But I do think that producer, producers and engineers do get, um, they kind of go unnoticed because they play the background. They don't really get the um, attention, you know, like the, the limelight, unless they're in the videos, like a P Diddy and stuff like that. And they're all in the videos and making themselves seen. But I think even with like, in recent years, we've seen like beat tags, um, pretty much when the drill movements start coming out and we heard Young Chop on the beat, and stuff like that, we, pe producers and DJ Mustard, producers started to make themselves, you know what, I need recognition for this. And every time you hear a song, you'll hear the tag. You might not even know what this producer looks like. Yeah. You, you might never, ever see his face, but you've heard Mustard on the beat. You've heard Young Chop yeah. on the beat. You know what I'm saying? You've heard Tay Keith. Yeah, London you know, on the tracks. Exactly, London on the tracks. So I think producers have taken that and kind of been like, you know what, enough is enough. People need to give us the recognition that we deserve because they realize a lot of these artists don't know how to make a song. It's the producer that's doing it for them or it's the engineer that's doing it for them. You know, and engineers even more so than producers go unnoticed because it's like 
those are the people who make the whole thing sound good. You got the producer, might've made the beat or put the song together. You got the artist, but the engineer glues everything together, you know, and they don't ever get the recognition. I mean, you might see them in the credits on the, on the back of an album cover or something, but that's about it. Yeah. And, you know, even social media wise, like, you know, you can look at, find all the top producers and guarantee they have nowhere near the following that the top artists do. But the first thing you hear on every single track is a beat. That's the first thing you hear. It's the, like, for me personally, like, I love the sound. Like, if the sound is trash, I will struggle to listen to the song. So if, like, the beat catches me, I don't care what the rapper is saying. But the beat just has this, like, melodic feeling to it. I can listen to it all day. But if the beat is trash, I will struggle. And then you got those rare artists who have a knack for picking the right beats that make you feel that way, as well as delivering lyrically. And that's just that's just the winner of everything. They, they those are the people with the Grammys and the hit records and the you know they top of the Billboard charts because lyrically it sounds great along with the music. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, a lot of artists ruin the beat, and a lot of beats ruin the artists. Mm. So it kind of has to be that perfect match, and you gotta as an artist. That's another tip for artists: learn your sound, learn what you sound good doing. Don't try to be like other artists. You know, a lot of people send me beats. Um, for me to rap on and you know they send me beats that Benny would rap on it's like I don't have the same sound as Benny you know what I'm saying you got to know what your sound is and it would sound funny if I tried to rap like Benny because I'm not Benny the Butcher you know what I'm saying yeah I think that's probably one of the best pieces of advice that that you can give that you know stay unique to your own sound like I I teach sales as well. So my full-time job is like I, I manage a sales team. But one of my pieces of advice is don't try sell like me, sell mm-hmm. like you. Same for the artist. Don't try sound like somebody else. Like we each have our own sound. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us stand out. If you try to do an impression of Young World, guaranteed the legitimate Young World will sound better than you. So you're better off just sounding like you. Exactly. You'll never be the best trying to sound like someone else. You can only be the best at being yourself. Yeah, 100%. Well, I was going to ask you as well, because producing, I feel like a lot of people who don't really look into the craft of producing, they think of it, all you do is you take a sample of a different song, you didn't even do it yourself, you put some heavy drums on it, you, you chuck it together, you give it to the other artist and that's all you do. But obviously there is a lot more complexity in creating a sound that fits together. Absolutely. I mean, I think producer and beat maker kind of get thrown in the same conversation a lot, but there is a distinct difference. A beat maker makes beats. They make beats that, you know, and that's what people usually think of when they say a producer, they think of that. But a producer doesn't even have to make the beat to be a producer. A producer is someone who can pull all the pieces together to make a hit record. You know, Pete Diddy doesn't necessarily have to be the one playing the keys or have to be the one programming the drums, but he's still a producer because he brought the songwriter into the room with the artist, with the beat maker and put everyone together and made the hit record. He came with the idea and was able to bring the pieces together to form the puzzle. So that's a producer. A beat maker makes the beat. Now for my beat makers, Stop using samples. If you're gonna sample anything, sample a song that you made. Because for one, obviously everyone knows nowadays you gotta clear that sample and you need, you're need you not gonna make your money off of that. You know what I'm saying? You might have a hit record because you know something that clicks in people's brain or that's nostalgic and they can recognize it. 
but is it worth it when you could have created your own sound or played your own uh, melodies and still had a hit record? Now look at financially, it's not gonna work out for you. But sampling has become like a, a growing trend um, and it's kind of dangerous because it's, it makes it seem like anybody can do it. You know what I'm saying? And even sampling is a skill in itself, but it does take away from, I feel like the real talented musicians who can actually, like myself, I can actually go step up to a keyboard and play whatever comes to mind, you know, without sampling anyone else's song, without, I might be inspired by other things, but I can make it original because I have that expertise. I have that skill and that talent for that. A lot of people are lacking that and all they do is go click a few buttons on the computer and then put some, put some kicks and some snares on it and it just sounds good. It's not really, it sounds good because it was already a good song that you took that from. You know what I'm saying? You just, like you said, you just enhanced the drums a little bit. You just put some 808s on it and made it, made it rumble a little bit more, but it's the same song as before. And then now you just put different lyrics over it. And, you know, it, it kind of, it's kind of like, it just takes away from the real talented people who have, you know, they can go and be their own mind without taking ideas from other people. Yeah, I think, but I think there's a difference between sampling a hip hop track or an R&B track that has a lot of recognition versus sampling a soul track from the 70s or the 60s that you had to dig and you had to find a different genre and you had to figure out how to chop it up in the right way, how to find the correct sound with the correct artist. Like you look at artists like Apollo Brown as a producer to me, there is a distinct difference in choosing an unknown track and putting it together versus a known track that everybody recognizes and putting that together. You know, I think it, it's, it's the intention. You got to look at the intention there. Are people taking tracks that are highly recognized because they're looking for another hit record to kind of piggyback off of that? Or are they actually trying to be creative and come up with their own version of it? Nine times out of 10, they're just trying to get a hit record out of it. Now, I do tip my hat to the people like Apollo Brown who, who take people who take songs that you wouldn't even know what it is and can't recognize it from a can of paint and then make it a hit record or, or make it sound crazy. I, I, I tip my hat to people like that. And even taking drum samples from people, I mean, sampling is sampling. Sampling is nothing but taking something that was created already and creating your own from it. You know, so I could take a snare and a drum from one song and put it in my song. That's technically sampling, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's it varies, there's a spectrum that you gotta look at it on. You know, it's people who actually create their own pieces of art from it. And there's people who just are stealing ideas on the opposite side of it. You know what I'm saying? It's a very tricky game you, you're playing with that. Yeah. I mean, sampling is a unique part of hip hop. That is part of, you know, the, the style that has brought hip hop through. So I've always been a big fan of sampling, but you're right. I've never, it's like, are you going to hack your way through it and take a hit song and cut that up? Because in my opinion, if you do that, I'm always comparing you to the hit song. If your track is not better than the hip song, well, then I'm not listening to it anymore. But exactly. if you can show me a song that I've never heard before that I would never come across in my regular life and put that into a hip hop style, then I'm ultra impressed. Like I used to drive in the car and listen to the original song and then the hip hop song. And it is so interesting to see where they chop it up and what part of the track they take. It's usually like one second, two or two, three seconds max. That's important. 
are you going to take the part that everybody knows or take a piece that nobody would even know is from that song? You know, and that's that's the real talent. And like I said, like Kanye, his sampling skills are unmatched, you know, a Swiss beats. You know, DMX is one of my favorite artists, like of all time. And I remember I was in college one day and I was, for whatever reason, I don't even remember why I was doing this, but I was with my other producer friend, uh, shout out to Rudy Trey, man, from Brooklyn. But we were just sitting in the dorm room and we're like, yo, I wonder, like some of our favorite producers, some of our favorite songs that we've ever heard, I wonder if it's sampled. Because at the time, I think DJ Musser was on fire, but every song that he was coming out with was a sample after sample after sample. And it was easy to recognize it. And you're like, yo, they're making hit records off of just copying people's songs. So it was like, all right, what about our favorite songs? Did they do the same thing when we, when I was listening to my favorite DMX song? Cause I'd be very disappointed. And lo and behold, we found out that Swiss Beats does a lot of sampling as well, you know, and Dr. Dre. And it was just like, it wasn't a disappointment as I thought it would be because it was from songs that I never heard of. Places that I would never like, oh, that's easy. I know where that's from. I wouldn't do that. So it's like, I never even knew he sampled it until I went to go look it up, you know? And then you'd be surprised at how many songs are actually sampled, but you know, I, like I said, I tip my hat to people who can take a song that nobody's ever heard of or is not highly recognized or already a hit record in its own and then make it original and turn it into something way left field. Yeah, well, there is a site called Who Sampled It. So I love going on that site. So any fan who wants to check it out, literally go, it has all the samples, it has all the credits on it. Um, but but yeah, there's there's obviously that unique ability. Like I look at Havoc as producer for Mob Deep and Prodigy, Havoc found that unique sound that worked for Prodigy and made some of the best songs in hip hop. It, it is that that skill of knowing who your artist is, of what the sound is like and not deviating from that sound. And part of the challenge now in hip hop is you have a lot of producers stepping on one album. And so the the more brains that are in it, the harder it is to have a cohesive like structure, cohesive sound throughout the whole thing. Whereas, you know, in the nineties, they would often go through one producer with the artist and they would make a whole album together. Yeah. And back in the day, people forget to realize it's, it was way harder to be a successful artist. It was way harder to even make music in the first place. Even even before like like programming and thing, electronic programming and all of that with the instruments and stuff became a thing. They used to freaking like one take songs, like singers when there was no auto tune and stuff like that. If you mess up a take, they got it like that. Like those vinyl records, they used to record right smack onto the onto it. Like it was a one take thing that you're listening to. It wasn't, and they did that hundreds if not thousands of times so they got the perfect take. And eventually it got easier and easier and more accessible to everyone to create music. And now with programs like Fruity Loops in our day and age, it's like, we don't need to be a DJ that collect like 500 crates of, of vinyl records to sample from. We can just go on YouTube and YouTube converter and just copy and paste a link. And now we can start sampling like with a click of a button. And it's so accessible to a lot of people that it kind of waters down um, in a sense, the art but it also adds to it because it's like, all right, now we have millions and millions of creatives who otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunities. But at the same time, back in the day, you had to go to one producer for an entire album because it wasn't that many people that would be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Have the knowledge to even work the hardware. Nowadays, a lot of producers, like if you go to Fruit Loops and you're using plugins and VSTs, they don't even know where their original hardware came from. Like those are actual 
like the, the plugins that you're looking at on that on those DAWs are actual pieces of equipment that you can go physically buy that you have to know what it does back in the day. Nowadays, you just keep twisting knobs until you press the buttons until it sounds the way you want it to sound. You don't even know what it's doing. A lot of people don't even know what a compressor does or an EQ does, an equalizer. They just keep tweaking it until it makes sense. Yeah, it sounds it, good. Yeah, until it sounds good or doesn't sound good. Nowadays, some people go for that unclean sound, that kind of dirty, gritty sound a little bit. You know, distortion in the vocals is not super clean. Um, I remember a producer that I got actually got my name Young World from. Um, he's super notable producer, you know, mad records sold and all of that. But he used to tell me, he used to say my vocals were too wet. I mean, it was too much reverb on my vocals. I'm like, but that's our sound. We love it. We, it sounds sounds crazy. And then he's like, no, the, the, you can't even hear yourself or too much auto-tune. And he just get, used to get mad, but that was an old school versus new school sound. And it was just funny to have that battle all the time where it was like, okay, this is my mentor. And everything that I think sounds good because of our generation, he's like, yo, that's completely wrong. And it's just funny that people go for that technically wrong thing nowadays to make it sound good. It's, it's funny. Well, how do you feel about the the auto-tune? Because, you know, the, you, you are 100% right. The classic hip-hop doesn't have auto-tune. That, you know, it's the old school versus the new school. Whereas, like, you know, for me, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Like, I don't really mind. But sometimes I feel like artists take it too far and they auto-tune their sound to a point where I have no idea what their voice is actually like. Yeah, they start to sound like a robot after a yeah. minute. <laughs> <laughs> but but nah, I mean, I think I think I think it goes back to what we were saying about finding your sound. What do you sound good doing? But make sure you're not make sure you're not covering up your own raw talent. Make sure people know that you're talented. You know what I'm saying? If you're gonna sing a song with autotune, don't put the autotune to a point where it's like, is this even them singing? Or make sure the autotune is even in the right key of the song. A lot of people will put autotune and just smack it on smack it on don't adjust the key or anything because they don't that's the music theory that i was talking about that certain knowledge where it's like making sure my autotune is in key because the point of autotune is to just keep you in the right key it's not to make you sound perfect when you're not perfect you, you can still hear the imperfections but it keeps you in the right key and a lot of people will sing out of key and then try to throw autotune on it and they just sound completely crazy but it's like oh but it sounds like autotune it sounds like t-pain and it's like but T-Pain knows what autotune is. If you ever look at a T-Pain interview about autotune, T-Pain can actually sing, first of all. He doesn't need autotune. He does it because he wants that sound. You know what I'm saying? So just know what you're doing with it. Know when too much is too much. Know when it doesn't sound good and not, not trying to sound like everyone else because chances are the people that in the industry that are doing it, they're doing it the correct way because they probably have engineers and producers who actually know what they're doing with it. They're not sitting in their bedroom just like, clicking buttons until it sounds like a robot and they're like oh that must be what I'm supposed to sound like with autotune it's like no you sound wrong you know it, it's like it's they put in the time to study what they're doing like you can you can hear the difference between a hip-hop artist who has studied lyricism and gone back and gone okay how do I put words together how do I put verses together how do I create multi-syllable rhymes how do I structure a song like you can feel that in the same way as you can feel when an artist is experimenting with their voice versus someone who's like got it down pat and the other thing that I always think about with auto-tune is like when I see you live your voice isn't auto-tuned that like <laughs> I, it, there's something that doesn't click for me that I'm like but when you're live it's a different experience because it sounds like a completely different person in a sense you can hear the similarities but it's like 
it sounded or you've been you gotten used to the way you sounded on the record and some people it's like they'll try to if you ever like i've done this before in the studio before and i was recording people as an engineer i've had auto tune on while they're recording it live like it's, it's running live as they're recording and then i'll turn it off just so that they can hear because a lot of people don't they have a hard time hearing if you don't train your ear you can't really hear when you're in key or out of key especially when you're not like vocally trained and you don't really know what you're doing you're just trying to you know maybe you're experimenting or maybe you just don't know so i'll like if i'm trying to get a point across and it's not i'm not able to say it i can i'll be like okay well i'll, I'll show you just sonically so listen to this start singing it and they'll start singing it auto is going it sounds good and then i'll turn it off and then they'll be like oh nah is that what i sound like and i'm like yeah that's you <laughs> so a lot of people and then so i'm like realize that like you just said when you go live i mean granted there's some people who they have like tips and tricks where you can kind of like auto tune it live but you can hear that you know what i'm saying it's not you didn't tweak you can't tweak it live to make sure that you can barely hear the auto tune it's like if you mess it up you can hear it auto tune you know what i'm saying you can hear if you can hear that you're auto tuned either your auto tune is too high or you're singing wrong. Something's not right, but you're not supposed to hear it. That's the whole point of it. You know what I'm saying? So you got to realize as an artist, if you're going to sing that live, you might want to make it sound as live as possible on the recording too. <laughs> so you don't throw people off. Yeah. It, I think it just goes back to that hit record. Like, you know, a lot of people are chasing the what's cool now, you know, mm -hmm. everyone is doing this. So I got to do this as well. And I mean, you know, I, I think that, artists do themselves a disservice by doing that because, you know, it goes back to, you know, working with artists that are unique. Like at the end of the day, if auto-tune doesn't suit your voice, don't auto-tune. If a trappy beat doesn't suit your voice, don't use a trappy beat. Like you just got to find what sounds good for you. And if you're at your best, you will have fans. Fans will find your music. Every time, you know, if you're, and if you're authentic, people want to know that they're listening to the real you. People want to know you. And people are fans of you. A real fan is a fan of you because of you. Um, I learned, I, I used to go to these seminars and just learn about the music business and stuff. And I learned, I learned that there's two, two reasons why someone would be a fan of you. Either they wanna be like you or they are you. So mean, that means when you are authentic to yourself, the people are going to gravitate to you, the people that want to be like you, that aspire to be like you. Maybe it's like, oh, I want to dress like him. I like the way he dresses. I want to go and I want to look just like him or the way that he walks, the way that he talks. I want to mimic that. I want to, he, he, it's cool to me. I want to do that, you know, or they are you. He's so relatable. It does not even about what he's wearing. It's not even about the jewelry, the stuff that he's talking about. It's about the stories that he's telling. I'm literally going through that right now. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's two reasons someone would be a fan of you. Either they are you or they want to be like you. And the only way to get that is to be authentic because people who are actually like the way that whatever the, 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 the blessing and being an artist is that you get to create whatever you want your image to be, whatever you want your brand to be, you get to create it. The problem with that is you have to maintain it. So if it's not you, it becomes harder to maintain. And the minute that you slip up or the minute that you're not what people thought you were, people are going to be quick to call you out about it. You know what I'm saying? It's either like, are you being a fraud? You know what I'm saying? And you see how that goes with people's careers. That goes really left. People are quick to disown you, cancel you, cancel culture, you know? Yeah. Well, they feel tricked. They feel like, you know, they were misled. And, you know, as a fan, you feel like, I thought I was, I, you went through the same things as me, but you didn't. Then it just kind of, it's a weird feeling as a fan where you feel like 
the person was just using you to get their status up. But it goes back to that genuine piece. Just got to be genuine. Exactly. Yeah. Now I feel like now I feel like you sold me a dream or like and people got to be aware of this is another tip for not even a tip, but just a a piece of advice of wisdom um, for artists. When you create a platform and and you start to have success in a certain status, when you have fans, when you have an audience, you have influence with influence. You have to be responsible with that because you can stray people to go one way or another. Because you do it, people are going to think it's cool. And kids, I mean, I wouldn't even say kids. Some adults are very impressionable. Anything that you do or say, they're going to want to do it. That's how fans work. Because like I said, they either want to be like you or they are you. So if they want to be like you, anything that you say, they're going to be like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that too, because he said it. Because Young World said it, I want to do it. So I can either lead you on the wrong path or the right path. You got to be responsible with that. You know what I'm saying? So be careful what you're what your brand is and what your image is and the reasoning behind it. Because if you're just trying to do it for status and to do it for, to be cool, you could be leading people the completely wrong way and they need to be led. And that's, that's on your conscience. Like that's just not, and if you are that type of person, I mean, you just, that's just messed up in my opinion. Well, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about, you know, a lot of the themes in hip hop? Because obviously for people who don't listen to the music and people who are not fans of hip hop, they turn around and go, well, you talk about, you know, artists talk about, not you specifically, but artists talk about drug dealing, artists artists talk about, you know, murder, artists talk about, you know, committing crimes, but they don't actually listen to it, but they think that the impact overall is negative purely because of what they talk about. How do you view that kind of comparison, especially if if fans are impressionable? Um, I think that that is true. I think that you have to be aware that what you're saying is kind of <clears throat> whatever you say is was was is what's representing you. That's what you stand for. Whatever you're speaking about, and I always say like being a, a musician, being an artist with with status and a, a certain platform is equivalent to being like a politician. You know what I'm saying? Like you have the you have the power to speak for a lot of people who can relate to you and like I said, influence other people to do certain things. So if, if you if all you're talking about is, you know, drug dealing and, and murder and stuff like that, if that's not what you live or that's not what you come from, imagine what people who do come from that and they actually believe you are going to think. If they're about to go sell some drugs, they're going to listen to your music. You know what I'm saying? If you if you making it sound like it's cool to tote your gun around to, to do whatever, like, they're going to think that that's cool. They're going to think that that's a cool thing to do. Like, you know, no knock at anybody that does it. I mean, like I said, like, I'm not the one to do it because that's not where I come from. I'll speak about things from my own perspective. You know what I'm saying? I've been around those types of things. So if I do speak about it in my music, it's because I'm speaking about it from a perspective of someone who saw it. I'm not saying that I did it, but I know what it's like for people who do do it because I was raised by people who do those things. I I'm, I was, I grew up around those type of things, but I didn't do it personally. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I will never say that this is a cool thing to do, or you should go out and do this. I would never say that. I would tell you how I saw that and why I don't do it, because I could have easily chosen that route. You know, coming from where I come from, you know, my background, I could have easily taken the opposite route that I did, but I decided, you know what, I see where that road leads to. Let me take the opposite road and learn from the people, learn from the people's mistakes that went down that road. You know what I'm saying? So it's all about how you look at things and how you choose to kind of handle the situation, the the card that you were dealt. It's like, okay, I was around all those things, but I'm not going to glorify it and make, make it seem like it's cool when I've never seen anything cool come from that. 
know what I'm saying? I've never seen people become successful off of that, you know, in a sense to where like they didn't risk their lives or risk their freedom nonstop. I'm not going to make it seem like that's a cool thing to do. Oh yeah, you should do that. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, you know, there's a lot of other options regardless of where you come from. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I choose to look at things. And so I think artists just need to know what they're doing when they speak on certain things. They need to know, okay, if I speak on it, what is the ultimate message that somebody's going to take from this, from what I'm saying? Are they going to act like, are they going to think that this is cool because I'm saying I did it? Or do I need to change my wording and be like, you know, I did do it or I didn't do it, but I saw it done. And it's not a cool thing to do. That's not good. You shouldn't do that. So it just depends on who you are as a person, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of complexity with it. Like if you, if that's all you see, like you can only talk about what you see. Like Mm -hmm. I, I find it a weird criticism. If you grow up around that, you know, in that type of environment, what are you supposed to be talking about? How are you going to talk about something else when that's what you see? So there is an opportunity kind of discussion that goes into that. And then on top of it, you know, part of hip hop is being braggadocious. Part of it is, you know, saying a bunch of things that are not, are not necessarily true, but to just, they just sound good. And sometimes we as fans need to look at not what they're saying, but what their career is doing and what their life is actually like. And the person may say one thing, but look at what they actually do. Look at what the behaviors that they they do like when i look at someone like jay-z obviously he's very open about the fact he used to sell drugs but he when he raps about it he acknowledges it but you look at his career right now and you see that he's built an empire for himself and you can learn from his actions not just what he said so there is a little bit of complexity when it comes to the artist which is why i like talking to artists because there is more than just a song in terms of who you are Definitely. And art, I mean, music, art in general is a way of expression, you know, so I never found it fair for people to really criticize anybody for saying anything when it, when they, when it comes to art, because it's like, how are you going to, that's like, let's, let's take music and compare it to a painting that I did, right? If I paint this thing on this canvas, doesn't matter what it is. I could paint this canvas entirely black with nothing else on it, just a black canvas. To me, that's whatever, whatever that means to me is what it means to me. Whatever it means for someone looking at it is what it means to them. But it's not fair for someone who's doesn't know where I'm coming from, doesn't have my creative mind. They don't know what was on my mind when I did it. To have the right to say, you know, you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't do that because my kid looks at that and they think, oh, black is cool. But to me as a parent, I tell them that black is not good. Black means bad but you painted this whole canvas black and now you're selling it and it's blown up and I was viral and now my kid think it's cool to wear all black and paint their nails black and stuff like that. It's like, but that was my way of expressing myself. How is, how is it fair for you to tell me that I can't do that or that I'm giving the wrong impression when it's like, unless I say it, you don't really know what it meant for me to say that or you don't really know what it took for me to say that. A lot of things that people talk about in their music is really hard for them to say. It's therapy for a lot of us artists, you know? Even even for me, it's like I talk about things that are I can't even say in a regular conversation to most people, but I feel more comfortable putting on the record and putting out to the world to where it's like I don't have to necessarily be one on one with you to say these things, but I can say it on the record and let you listen to it. And then I guess I leave myself open for that kind of discussion on for you or 
I, I leave myself open for you to criticize and say whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? But it's, at the same time, it's like, as a listener, as a consumer, we have to be aware that this is a form of expression for artists, ultimately, you know what I'm saying? So is it really fair to look at it and be like, you shouldn't or should do certain things a certain way? Because it's like, who are you to really say that? Nobody tells you what to say or what not to say or what to wear, or what not to wear, where to spend your money. If I want to spend all my money on jewelry, let me spend my money on jewelry. If I think that that's what makes me happy, you know what I'm saying? Who's who's to say that that's not what makes that person happy? Of course, with the hip hop, hip hop culture, a lot of braggadocious things, like you said, are kind of like trendy and are in, and that's kind of what makes our careers. But in a sense, it's like, what about for the people that came from nothing and they finally have a chance to buy the things that they always wanted that they think is cool? You know what I'm saying? What if this is their favorite car in the world, even though it might be a Ferrari and you're thinking that they don't it just to brag? What if that's just their favorite car that they've always wanted since a kid? They might not say that. They might make it look like, okay, well, look at me, I got a Ferrari, but what if that's just their way of expressing? Like, I've always wanted a Ferrari. I want to buy a Ferrari. But then the critics would be like, yeah, but you're making it seem like if you don't have a Ferrari, you're not cool. It's like, is that me or is that the way you're taking it? Is that your own insecurities? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, you know, and people forget the roots of hip hop. Like the roots of hip hop comes from nothing. It comes from, you know, literally a block party where people are together and it built. I Honestly, I would love, shout out to, to the origins of hip hop because I would love to speak to all the grandmasters. Like to me, I would just, just listening. They'd probably say a bunch of names I never knew, but it would be like a history lesson. And uh, I just, I'd love that. But, but people forget about the roots and they forget about where hip hop came from. What they see now is the result of, you know, the progression of hip hop. And, yeah. and like, you got to understand that hip hop, originated as a voice for people who didn't have a voice and that goes back to one of your songs we the people as well you know talk about more than just what people associate with hip-hop but actual significant things that impact our society yeah definitely um we the people was actually that was a that was a tough song to write and it was so tough that i actually didn't even release it until maybe a year or two after i actually recorded it and it was still um a relevant topic at the time which is kind of disappointing to me and that's why I was like you know what let me put this out because this so far for these couple of years that I've recorded it is still stand the test of time and I think that that will always be a timeless conversation to where it's like you know the mistreatment of my people you know I go outside and I don't feel comfortable in certain situations because of my skin color you know and in a sense it's like as an artist I got people looking at me but they like what if I what if I go outside and I'm and I show I show that to people you know I show okay I'm nervous to go to these places I don't want to do shows certain certain shows here I'm you know people might look at that and be like that's a weakness or be like okay he's frail but it's like I think of my responsibility as an artist and if I feel this way I know there's millions and millions and millions of other people who feel this way that might not be able to voice it or might not have the platform that I do for people to even listen to them. And I, I notice a lot of times that once you have status, people are willing to listen to you more. You might, I might say the same exact thing as the person next to me, but because I'm young world, somebody's gonna listen to me say it. You know what I'm saying? They might say the same exact words, word for word, verbatim, but then nobody's gonna listen to them because it's like, who are you? But because I'm young world, people look at it and be like, all right, well, we're gonna pay attention to what he says. And with me 
knowing the responsibility as an artist, I feel like it's important for me to touch on those topics and for me to be vulnerable and open. And you know what, if people are going to criticize me for this song or criticize me for talking about subjects like this, I guess I got to take that. You know, I got to take that on the chin for the people who want to voice these things, for the people who are out there rioting, for the people who are out there marching and, you know, getting maced by the cops or getting trampled by the, by the SWAT team and stuff like that. It's like, all right, well, what can I do to help? You know what I'm saying? And I can use my voice. And I feel like it was very important for me to touch on those things because that's my responsibility as an artist, I feel like. Well, like every single time we review a hip hop album, so we review albums on this podcast as well, mm -hmm. we talk about the same thing. And that is the abhorrent treatment of African-American people in society. And every album touches on it, whether it's from the 90s, whether it's from the the early 20s, whether it's from right now, the the frustrating thing is that I listen to that music and nothing's changed. The mm. same things that they were rapping about, that NWA were talking about, the same things that you're talking about in 2021. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, if you don't want to hear that message, change the society. Like people will stop talking about it when it stops happening. So uh, like, this is an argument that, that I always have. Like if you, people are not going to sit back and let bad things happen to them. People are going to talk about it and as they should, but if mm -hmm. you don't like hearing about it, well, guess what? We've got to do something about it as a society. We've got to step up and say, no, that's not okay. And then once it's gone, mm -hmm. then people stop talking about it because it's no longer an issue. It's more part of history and something we learn from. And hopefully, you know, we do better at learning from it than we have done, you know, in our, in our history as, as humans. Exactly. And I commend, I commend people who um, have the musical platforms that like we do, like an NWA. I remember I was in college and I did a whole project on NWA when the nation tried to ban their music. Like there was people, literally stores were like, you can't sell music here, NWA music, because of what they were talking about. And it's like, that's how, like, it's not that, I feel like it's not that, like society doesn't even want to change at that point. It's like, you hear what I'm saying. I know you hear it because you reacted to it. You banned my music. So therefore I know you heard it. You know exactly what I'm saying. You're just trying to keep it quiet. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't think that it's necessary to change society. And that's, that's what the underlying problem is for me. It's like, are we gonna just, did MWA take that and just be like, you know what, all right, we're gonna shut up now. They don't wanna hear it. No, we gotta continue to push the envelope because we're the people with the influence. We're the people with, quote unquote, the power. When you have influence, you have power and with great power comes great responsibility. And it's our responsibility to be those people, to, to speak for the people on behalf of the people who nobody wants to listen to. You know, we listen to them. Even as artists, um, especially African-American artists, we got our ears to the streets. We know what people feel. We we are, and we got to also be vulnerable and show our fans that we are you. We're not, we're not like so high status that nothing affects us, that society doesn't affect us. I mean, we gotta we gotta deal with stuff in the corporate in the corporate world just like a doctor would, you know, fair opportunities or unfair situations that we get put in because of our skin color. We gotta deal with that just like anybody else would. So it's not like it just goes away as you go up in status or anything like that. And we gotta make sure that we're transparent with that. Like, yo, we we know exactly what y'all going through and we're gonna speak on it because maybe we have a further reach 
you know, than the average, you know, the average person in society. But it's just, it's, it's we got to make sure that we keep pushing that envelope. You know what I'm saying? And me, even with the name Young World, I mean, that's what my name comes from is speaking on, you know, being the voice for people who don't necessarily feel like they have a voice, you know what I'm saying? And to inspire my generation and generations to come. It's not just, it's not about me. You know, me being an artist, my platform. I'm one of those artists. I know a lot of artists be like, I don't care about the fame. I don't care about the money. I mean, I care about it, but the reason that I care about it is because I want the, the bigger the platform, the bigger reach I have, the bigger influence I have to make a change in the world. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I care about the the, the fame and the and the um the status is because that puts more ears to my music. So when I say when I have something to say, a lot of people will hear it. It also means that you can you know survive. At the end of the day, you know, it's a job. hey, you got to make money, you got to pay rent, you got to buy food. You know, if you have a family, you got to support the family. At the end of the day. The, the idea of an artist who makes no money sounds may sound good, but the reality of it isn't that great because they still, you know, every person has these responsibilities. So there is, you know, and if you're doing good things, like you should get rewarded for it. So I uh, like, I don't have a problem with that. You know, if an artist makes money, then they, they probably deserve to make money. Like, you know, it's, it's not an easy career path that artists choose, you know, it's, definitely not the easiest it's cutthroat you know for every artist there is there's another one who didn't make it um there is so yeah i I think that your attitude and and the way you look at things is really impressive especially for you know you being quite a young man and early in your career the way you're you're looking at things your understanding is really impressive to see yeah definitely and that comes from you know just the people that I was raised by, you know what I'm saying? And being around a lot of OGs. Um, I mean, especially in my hometown city, you know, I come from a family that has some really deep roots and, you know, are a lot of well-respected people in my city. So I got to soak up a lot of game early on, you know what I'm saying? And not even realizing it, but, you know, shout out to my father, you know, he's somebody who taught me how to be a real man from early on. I know, you know, even shout out to all the young ladies too. I mean, I mean, Chivalry is not dead by any means. It's just a matter of the way someone was someone was raised. You know, I was raised to be very respectful to everybody, not even to just women. But to all the young men out there, man, treat your ladies right, man. Treat your ladies right. Empower your woman. Empower each other. You know what I'm saying? All of this, all of this arguing or or back and forth. You know, I mean, we be on social media. I had to take a break from social media because there's just so much back and forth going on between even people in our own communities, and it's like why do we do that? I don't even know why we do that. We compare ourselves to each other so much. And it's just like, I don't even know where that comes from, but I was raised to, you know, just respect everybody the same way, whether you high status or low status, you know, treat the principal the same as you treat the janitor. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's just being raised with certain morals, being raised with certain um, outlooks on life definitely helped me out. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that I'm signed to Benny the Butcher, who's has a lot of experience, you know, for himself you know he's in his 30s as an artist and just now getting his wave in the game and it's like he has so much expertise and knowledge in the game already so by the time he got to where he's at right now he can easily just pass that wisdom on to me and I get I get kind of like a shortcut to all of the tips and things that I need to know going forward in my career where I'm just beginning but I'm start I get like a head start you know what I'm saying so it's just like that's a blessing to me and I don't ever take it for granted knowledge is power Knowledge is something that nobody can ever take from you. So I soak up all the knowledge that I can get and try to be as wise as possible. 
Well, I think you can definitely see that in your music that you are learning and you're actively learning. It's not like you accidentally stumbled upon things. You can see that you're, you know, working on the craft and beating on the craft and just hours and hours and just, you know, speak to people and learn. And, you know, you've met people like Rick Ross, um, you know, through, through what you're doing. So the pathway is, is quite long for you in terms of where your career could go. And someone like Benny being in his thirties obviously means he's more grounded. You know, yeah. there's this idea that if you want to make it as an artist, you have to be in your early twenties. But as we see now, a lot of older artists are showing that because they have more experience because they, you know, are more settled, like in your early twenties, you kind of don't know who you are. You're still figuring it out. You're like, Oh, do I work here? Do I work there? Like what, what's my personality like what do i stand for but you know later down the track you know those things and when you create it comes from a place where you're like i know what i'm doing and i know what my sound is and i know what i'm trying to achieve exactly it makes it easier for you to see kind of where you want to go in the direction that you want to take it um it makes it just clears the path because like you said in your early 20s it's kind of cloudy like you don't really know you don't really know what anything is. You just kind of like, especially if you come across a lot of success or a lot of money at that age, it's like, you haven't really experienced what it's even like to be an adult and be self-sufficient yet. You don't really know what you even need as a person, as an individual to kind of like be comfortable in your own life. So you kind of just try to have a little bit of everything and that's where you can get carried away because it's like, you're just looking for things. You're just trying to find out who you are and grasp the things you can get into a lot of situations like that. You can, a lot of bad, decisions and you know choices that you can make trying to figure it out so as an older artist I feel like they have an advantage in a sense to where it's like they've already done everything that they wanted to do pretty much they don't really have any searching to do they already know what they need what they like to have what they you know what they need to take care of and at that point it's just like enjoying it's just about enjoying the journey from there enjoying the process from there and the fruits of your labor um, and I feel like that's where Benny's at, which is a great place for him to be in, you know what I'm saying? Especially getting this run that he's on right now. It's just like, he's just getting started, but he's way more comfortable in that position. I feel like just because of his wisdom that he's, uh, everything that he's been through already, you know, I'm sure he's been in situations where he probably thought that this was about to be, okay, I'm about to be on now. And then maybe it didn't work out as much as he thought it would, or maybe, it, you know, there's different reasons and different seasons for everything. So he's been through so much of that already that by the time he gets to where he is now, it's like, he's just, he's just sitting back and is just enjoying the ride at this point and just passing the knowledge on to people like myself and the other artists on the label, you know, and just growing, just growing as a, as a whole entity, as this whole empire, he's just growing it. Um, and, you know, just leading the way, passing down the torch. Do you feel that, you know, artists are now making their own labels? Like it feels like that, is where the artists are going. They're going, you know what? I don't want to go to a big label that's been around for 30 years. I'll, I'll make my own label. I'll sign my own artists. Um, and and they're taking control of the industry and that, you know, they get to control their distribution. They get to control their sound. They're not waiting for somebody else to be like, oh, now you can do it like, like Benny, he gets to do what he wants when he wants. He gets to produce artists he wants to produce. And it's more of a controlled environment. It gives more people opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's I think that's super dope. At the same time, I think a lot of people might do it prematurely 
just to, you know, in the sense of, I think being a boss is becoming like a thing now. Like people are like, I want to be a boss. I don't want to sign to anyone. And it's even to a point now where it's like, when it first was going on, I feel like a lot of people was like, their eyes were opening like, oh, I don't need to sign to a label. I don't need to chase after a major record deal or anything like that. That's crazy. But now it's kind of becoming like a thing where it's like, I, I've heard artists say it. I don't want to sign to a label and don't even know why. They don't even know the reasoning behind it. It's not that labels are bad. It just depends on what route you are or what path you're on with your career and what route you want to take. Um, but along with that comes a lot of work that you got to put in that I don't know if a lot of people are willing to put in. Benny is one of the hardest workers I've ever met. So he goes hard for his label as hard as he goes for his own career. So it's like, you can't put that past anyone who has their own label. And I feel like that kind of goes um, unnoticed when, you know, it just kind of becomes like a thing, like, oh, you get success as an artist. All right, I'm about to start my own label and sign the homeboys that rap, you know, but they don't really know what to do with it. They just kind of just, they don't even know the business or how the business works. They just kind of be like, all right, I'm just about to do it because I guess that's what you're supposed to do. You know, I need to sign my, sign my homeboys that rap too. So I'm just about to just make a label. And it's more so than just, just like a click. And, but really, think about what do you have to offer or what do you have to bring to the table as an artist besides your own clout? Can you really do anything with that? Are you able to put them in the right doors? Are you like, Benny's able to put me, give me leverage to even be in the conversations with other people who are, you know, might have a better situation than me from on a paper standpoint, but guess what? I have a better situation than them because I'm getting all the knowledge and everything like that. But I have, my ties are to Black Soprano family. And I'm, it's like, it's like I basically signed his little, Benny's little brother. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like he's putting me in doors that I couldn't otherwise get in, but he's using that platform as a way to better opportunities. It's not like he just, it's not like I get signed and now I'm just like, he can't do anything for me. He wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? He's the type of person where he knows he has faith and the knowledge that he can put an artist in a better situation. So I feel like a lot of artists, they don't, they start a label, but they don't, what do you really, they don't really know what to do with it. They just kind of just like, I'm just going to start a label and just, kind of just write off my coattail and just whatever cloud I get, you just be like, all right, this is my artist right here. And you think people are just going to flock to this person and just, now nah, they're going to be successful just because you got them around, your arm around them or something. It's like, it doesn't necessarily work like that all the time. I feel like people forget you run a label. that's a business. Like it is, it is a proper, it's not like you just go out and make songs and you're in control of yourself. You actually have to run a full business in terms of, so many moving parts and how to, you know, coach and how to manage. And all of a sudden you take on a lot more than what you thought it was like, you know, yeah. having a label sounds good. Like I'm sure when you talk to a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I'd love to have my own label. But the reality of having your own label is actually not that easy because you have to, like you said, there's a lot of moving parts. You've got to open a lot of different doors for a lot of different people. And, as soon as you sign somebody and that doesn't happen, then your reputation, that label starts going downhill and then you start diversifying time. So your career might be fantastic, but you got to make sacrifices now because you've got to work on the label. And now instead of making two albums a year, you're making one album. And because you were too busy focusing on something else, it's not as good as those. And so there's a lot of challenges and I feel like sometimes people just take the trend rather than thinking what's right for me. Absolutely. It's, it's so much work that comes with it. I mean, it's a whole staff. You got to hire, you got, you got to pay people. Like there's a staff that need to be paid, you know, real payroll. There's not like, 
I mean, unless you just, you just gonna take all your friends and just be like, all right, you, you're the artist, okay. You're the manager, you're the, you know, you're PR, you're, you know, you're all these different things. And it's just like, at the end of the day, if, if no one, if someone doesn't see the opportunity in any of those things, why would they do that? And if they're doing it just because that's your friend or whatever, are you really making sense with it? Are you really just wasting your money? Are you really just wasting your time that you could be putting into your own career? And are you ready for that as an artist? Like you said, you gotta be ready to make sacrifices for your own career. Like that's gonna take a toll on you as an artist, especially if you like, if you just now getting into the game and you just started to get success, can you afford to only make one album a year? Because if, if, if the label is depending on your success and by having this label, you, your success is going to start to decline for whatever reason. Is it really worth it? Because at the end of the day, then the label is going to fall because if the label is based off of your your success and your clout, what's going to happen if you if that if that doesn't work out? You know what I'm saying? So are you even in a position? Are you solidified in the industry with a solid fan base where you know, okay, if I take a little bit of time off to focus on this label to get this right, I'm still going to be able to thrive as a, as my own separate artist. You know, cannot cannot afford that. If not, if your career can't afford that or or kind of go through that storm, whether that storm is not a that's not a good idea. And you know, labels aren't that bad. Like it's all about like there's all types of different deals out there that you can work out. You gotta just know what you're talking about and have negotiations with people. Like the, the number one thing I can say is having leverage when you're going into a deal is important because now you can kind of just work your magic and work your way through and you can get what you want instead of what they're just giving you um and having to take what they give you. So like people have like this bad stigma about labels and stuff like that you got to look at it as what can you gain from that and what can what what can they gain from you and once you know those two things and you learn how to negotiate you got to get a lawyer you got to get people to understand you know the knowledge and understand the lingo and everything that's in your contract to really have an understanding of it labels aren't so bad as long as you got the right deal you just got to know what you're looking for and make sure that they deliver in and that you have you have trust in them you know what i'm saying so it's not that you shouldn't sign. It's that you shouldn't sign bad deals. Read your contract. Yeah. Read the contract. Don't go into the room. They present a nice, fancy-looking contract. They have their own lawyer. They give you a nice, beautiful golden pen, and they're like, "Here's the pen for the artist." You know, this is this is how you sign. And then you get over. They take you to dinner. You know, they wine. They dine you. They like almost taking you out on a date. And so you don't read the contract. They're like, don't worry about it. You know, this is a standard deal we give to everybody. And that's how people get screwed is they don't, like you said, don't do your due diligence. Don't sign a contract for five years where you get shit all. They put your albums in the back catalog that they don't even release. And then you're worse off than when you started. So like, look at it as if, okay, this, the worst case scenario happens in this contract, where would I be left off? If you don't think it's worth taking that risk, then don't do it. It's that simple to me. It's like, read your contract, have a lawyer if you don't understand the lingo. If you, Even if you do understand it, have someone else to read it again. You read it a few times, have somebody else read it a few times, and then y'all read it another few times together to make sure that you're on the same page and make sure that you didn't miss anything. Just do your due diligence. Like, you can't stress that enough because once you sign, you sign. Well, lawyers don't represent themselves in court. So if a lawyer is not willing to represent themselves in court and they get a lawyer, you know you got to get one of your own because yeah. if 
someone who's knowledgeable in that area does not feel comfortable standing up and going, I'll do it all. Mm-hmm. You, we all know that, you know, as people who are not lawyers, we got to get our own lawyers to make sure that we're doing right. So take that as an example. Lawyers don't represent themselves in court. They know better. Lawyers have lawyers. That's how it works. Exactly. Why would you represent yourself? Why would you go into that, into that meeting by yourself and just let them people do that to you? Like, like, nah, nah. And you know, <clears throat> I, I, did I read this in a book or did I hear this in the podcast? I don't know. I do a lot of research and I listen to a lot of business people speak and everything like that. And I take tips and apply it to the music business because the business is a business at the end of the day, you know? So they said a good businessman will never take the first offer or the second offer. It's usually about the third offer, the third negotiation where things start to click because if I send you a contract, in that contract is gonna have everything that I want out of this. It's not gonna have anything that you want in it. Maybe a little bit, but most of it is gonna be what I want out of it. Your job is to be like, okay, well, let me see. I understand it from that standpoint. If I send you this contract, I'm telling you everything I want. Your job is to send that back, a rebuttal. Okay, this good, this good. I don't like that, I don't like that. Now here's what I want. Then I take that, what you sent me and be like, all right, well, here's where we can meet in the middle. That's three negotiations already. It's not, I didn't jump at the first thing or you didn't jump at the first thing that I sent to you. I didn't jump at the first thing you sent to me. We found a, a middle ground that works for both of us. And a lot of people get too excited because like they chase their whole career chasing this record deal because they think, oh, oh, I got, I got, I got Atlantic, I got Def Jam, I got Rock Nation. You know, they all hollering at me. Okay, bet who's offering the most money? And then that's that. It's like, okay, but what comes with the most money? You know what I'm saying? Like. It, you got you got to look at it. You got to be smart about it. And at the end of the day, this is your entire career. And you got to look at what you sacrificed to get in a position to even have a contract brought to you. I'm pretty sure you did a lot of work. And is it worth throwing it all out or throwing it all away if the contract didn't work out? You know, so you got to think about the what ifs and be smart about it. Everything you do in your career, you got to think about the, even having this interview, I got to think, okay, if this goes the worst it could possibly go, where's that going to lead me? And that's how I decide, is it worth doing it? Because if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, well, what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Well, the good news for you, my friend, is that it's going well. So uh, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> oh, great. Literally everything. And I mean, if I take a picture or post a picture on Instagram, okay, well, what's this? If this is received a bad way, what's, it gonna, what's, the, what's the effect going to be? The pros and cons of everything, man. You got to make choices. Be smart. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's the classic, if you want, you know, let's say you want 50 grand, you don't start by asking for 50 grand because I can guarantee you ain't going to get it. They're going to push back and go, well, you asked for 50, but we're not willing to give you 50. We're willing to give you 40. And you're going to end up behind what you want. So you're always going to ask for more than what you want, knowing that you're probably going to get pushed back. And ideally you'll get a little bit more than what you wanted anyway, because you asked for enough. But if you want 50, don't ask for a million because you ain't going to get a million. They're going to laugh at you. So there's there's a balancing act of understanding what's your worth versus what would you settle for? What would you be happy with and how to play that? And that comes down to having people around you that can help you do that because, you know, as an artist, you're emotionally driven when it comes to your career. You sacrifice a lot. You know, a lot of people say that, you know, they're objective, but 
you know, it's hard to be objective when you're the one who started from nothing, who went through difficult times, who made a lot of sacrifice to see things as, you know, black and white. You need those people around you to help you. Exactly, exactly. And even early on in your career, you need to have it. I mean, even if it's, shoot, for a long time, it was just me, my parents and my lawyer. That was my team. Anything I needed done with, that was my team. But as long as you have somebody who can think with the emotions detached from the situation, you know, as, as artists, we got to wear so many hats. We got to be a business, a, a salesman. We got to be a businessman. We got to be, you know, marketer and all types of stuff that we got to, we got to wear so many different hats to sell our art on top of that, let alone be an artist, be creative and be able to, you know, still give our art a hundred percent as long as, as well as wearing all of these different hats. So, I mean, anytime you get a chance to kind of take some of the load off, you need that, you know, you need that. Not saying that you need a manager. A lot of people be like, Oh, I need a, a good manager. Well, manager's job is to manage things. If you don't have anything going on for yourself, you don't need a manager. Also, they take 20%. So don't, like, that's the average amount for a manager to take. So if you're willing to pay 20% for them doing nothing, then go right ahead. But if you have nothing to manage, don't worry about getting a manager. You really just need somebody to kind of, like, help sell you. You need a marketer. You need stuff like that where it's, like, you know, PR and stuff like that. But until you got something going on for yourself, you don't really need a manager. I mean, the manager can kind of wear a lot of different hats too at the same time, but you know what I'm saying? You just gotta, you gotta know what pieces you need. Study, just study, study artists and be like, who do they have around them? You know, if I wanted to get a feature from, you know, Lil Baby, who do I need to contact? Obviously I can't call Lil Baby. So think, okay, who do I get in contact with? Okay, maybe I could talk to his photographer and work with him first and then get a little relationship with him and then maybe work my way in there somehow or his videographer or you know, his, his PR person, you know, somebody in, around him and kind of just learn and be like, all right, well, I need these pieces too. I mean, I need to get me one of these. Maybe I need to get me a photographer or a videographer or, you know, all of these things, man. You got to just study and all the information is there. That's the crazy part. Like we live in the information age for real. YouTube, man. <laughs> YouTube, Google, who's, yeah. I don't know. You could probably Google who's part of little baby's staff. I'm pretty sure people, whoever works for the staff, probably have a LinkedIn account, says that I'm this, that, and a third for Lil Baby. I'm pretty sure because he's a big artist. Like, that's something notable to put on your resume. So pretty sure you can find it. Check out his Instagram and find out who he's hanging around with. You know, everybody has friends. Everybody has people they know. Like, it's sometimes you just got to be willing to do it. That's what it is. It's like some people are willing, some people aren't. And it's the people who are willing to do the shit that nobody else will do, you know, study the craft, study the business, you know, look for those backdoor roots. They're the ones that succeed at the end of the day. Exactly. Hard work beats talent when talent don't work. It's about who put the most hours in the gym. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I was going to ask you as well, what do you see for your 2021? Obviously, you know, you had a pretty big 2020, you know, starting to work with, with Benny and, and Black Soprano family, but what do you see for this year? Obviously, you're working on Blue, the album that that is going to drop soon. Is there anything else that you're you're working on? Yeah, man. I mean, just going crazy with the producing and the songwriting as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> those are at the same time, those are separate careers. You know, as well as me being an artist. So it's like, I got my plate full, man. I, I feel like you know this is going to be a huge year. Um, a lot of wins for the whole team. Um, Buffalo my hometown that's going to be 
we're gonna have a, a crazy 2021. I already know. Um, you know, it's just it's just something you can feel in the air. It's just gonna be great. So um I'm just ready to keep the work going, man. Blue's gonna be amazing. You know what I'm saying? We going this is gonna be really like kind of like a debut album on a on a bigger scale. So it's like I'm really excited about the work and to see how you know, people are gonna, their initial reactions are gonna be to kind of like a new artist, you know, I, I see a lot of new artists kind of just get, it can go really well or really bad, but you know, I'm I'm really confident in my talents and my abilities. So I believe, you know, it's gonna be some great feedback and I'm just ready to build from there and start building my own empire. You know what I'm saying? To, you know, start making my print in the industry and have a huge impact, man. Do you have a release date for that album? Like, do you have like a time frame that you're looking at? I did, but it got pushed back because we're working on some bigger things to kind of, you know, we want to do it right. I'm, I'm a big believer in, you don't want to do anything without doing it right. You know, if you're going to do it, do it right. So, um, you know, we want to, we had to kind of push the date, the date back. It was supposed to come out this month, but we had to push the date back uh, for a little while. I don't really have an exact time frame yet just because we still working some things out, but you know, um, whenever it is, it's going to be huge, man. It's going to be, and it, it's, it's soon. It's not, you know, it's not like, <laughs> not like we're pushing it off to the summertime, but it's going to be soon, man. I know a lot of fans are waiting on it, but, you know, and we got more, we got more coming, man. My visual is going to get crazier this year. I'm going to really, I, I plan on this year really showcasing Young World, um, all of his talents, man, all of, all of my, you know, abilities and traits, you know, even incorporating, man, me being a musician. A lot of people don't know my music. They're hearing me play on a lot of those things. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I need to, I want to start showcasing that a lot more um 2021 and just like I said, just going crazy with the producing. We actually the Bill, Buffalo Bills new theme song we actually uh made featuring Benny the Butcher and I produced that as well. So you know what I'm saying? So damn, there we go. You know what I'm that, saying? So exclusive. Buffalo Bills, I hope that get us to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, man, I was gonna ask you, is this the first interview you've done since signing? Um or like, how is how is the the kind of the road been once you sign? I'm sure a lot of people have reached out and go, you know what? Now, yeah. you get a lot of recognition purely because of who you're attached to. Yeah, it's been it's been coming. But the thing about interviews, I like to be selective. I like to be real selective and do things that I think is real interesting. Um, so actually, once once you hit me up, I actually checked out the page and I'm like, all right, all right, this is cool. This is dope. So. I was excited about this one, man. I like to do things that are real genuine. And, you know, when people reach out, um, you know, it's about timing too as well. Um, a lot of people have reached out too, but I've just been, some of the interviews I've been holding off just to do because I want to use it kind of for like, for like a, you know, once I know when the album's coming out and, you know, some promo runs and stuff like that. But it has been a lot, man. The attention's been definitely went up. <laughs> attention definitely went up, man. Um, Instagram, you know, it's, it's been going up it's been, it's been, it's been going crazy. So it's been a lot of people getting in contact with me and um, nothing but love and a lot of blessings, man. So this is only the second interview I've done since then. Even better. First one of 2021. And that's the, that's the real exclusive. Yeah. This is the first one of 2021 for sure. And it's, and it's the first one since I had my single last year, like last summer. So this is like, it's been almost a year since I've had an interview. So this is definitely an exclusive. Well, I love that, to be honest. And, you know, it's a privilege for, for me and, and my fans to to be able to to listen to you. Like, as I said before, you're a really interesting artist and a really interesting person in terms of your background and in terms of 
how deep you go into talking about the art. I've definitely spoken to artists that don't go that deep. And then I think you're one of the ones who, you know, I can feel the love for it. There is no lie in that. There is like, you know, I'm sure that if I was like, young world, tell me about your craft. You could talk to me for hours about it, that you would just, you know, start teaching me. I'd have to get my notebook. You'd give me a test <laughs> at the end. You know, I'd have to, I'd have to work on that. But I think yeah. that, the the potential for you is is really high and i think you can see that as well but um yeah i just wanted to say you know i i think that this year is going to be a good year for you and jumping off especially a really challenging year with coronavirus last year and you know the the political landscape as well it's not great at the moment either but hopefully you know, it starts to clean up. But at the very least, I think that it's going to really balloon for a lot of artists, including yourself. Definitely. I appreciate that, man. You know, it's been it's been tough, man. 2020 been a tough year for a lot of people. And, you know, we got to stay resilient. We got to stay strong, man. And, you know, art is my art is my therapy, man. So, you know, I just been using it to kind of just fuel, fuel my music making process and, you know, keeping my head in the music has helped me a lot. So, you know, I want to say thank you to all the fans and even, you know what I'm saying, you for reaching out and have given me the platform, the opportunity to speak about the things that I speak about, you know, it never goes unappreciated ever. Um, and, you know, I think it's just as dope, you know, as, as, as I make music, you know, I think it's just as dope as what you do, you know what I'm saying, giving artists a platform to speak and allow fans to see, like we talked about earlier, it's more than music, it's more than just a song, we're, we're more than just, you know, a musical box. <laughs> so, you know, we're actual human beings too. And you give you give us the opportunity to make people realize that and, you know, speak, you know, from a different standpoint other than just in a song. Well, I appreciate that, man. I really do. I, I honestly wouldn't do this if I didn't love talking to, number one, talking to people and didn't love hip hop. Like, it's just one of these things that, you know, to me, it's, I think when I was younger, I thought about it. Like when I was a teenager, and now as an adult, I'm like, I'm not that old. Like I only turned 27, but like, I just, the beard give, makes me look older, but you know, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, just the, just the ability to look behind the music and look behind, you know, what someone is saying. And it, there's just so much more. And the more I do this, the more people that I speak to, the more understanding and the more blessed you know, I feel as a fan, number one of hip hop to, to be able to listen and be, you know, artists share things. That's what you're doing. You're sharing your insight, you're sharing your thoughts, you're sharing your talent. And as a fan, like we're privileged to be able to hear that. No doubt. No doubt. I do have a question for you too. Please go for it. What's so what's your take on like, where do you think hip hop is going as far as like subject matter um, in the next few years? Do you think it's, you think, all the popcorn rappers and, you know, quote unquote, soundcard rappers and stuff like that. You think that sound is kind of like, you know, fading away and is becoming more back to its roots as far as hip hop goes? Or do you think it's going to always have those kind of subgenres of, you know, different, different tastes kind of like mixing the rock with the, with the rap or dance music and stuff like that? You, or do you think it's like those rappers that can, or the artists that really have talent and can really speak to certain things are going to shine more? Or do you think it's just going to always be just, you know, kind of, if it sounds good, it sounds good kind of thing. I think I think that's a good question and a question that I often ask, but my opinion on it is hip hop is always changing. And so what we saw 
uh, like around 2010 for the past 10 years is the trap movement. I think we'll see more development on that. I think it's still very young. The sound is pretty mature though, like with the hi-hats. I think yeah. that is going to continue, but I think people have cottoned on to there's overuse and there's nothing really unique in a lot of the sounds. And so people are going back to lyrical to boom bap type sounds so i think there'll be an evening out before we find the next thing i just think trap is here to stay like we have boom bap and we'll have trap and now trap is a sub genre of hip-hop and we'll see another genre come out in the next two to three years but in terms of content i think that there will always be a place for lyrics i think that you know right now we're just you know, the trap movement is all about sound. It's all about feeling. But I can feel just even in the artists, they're moving back to more of, okay, I want to be able to send a message. I want to be able to talk about important things. And I think that is where we'll see, especially politically, it's been a tough period. And we'll see that kind of explode for a portion of time. I think trap came from an era where it wasn't as difficult politically. Like you had Barack Obama in office and a lot of people felt quite settled. Like it's not great, but it's not as challenging as it is right now. So I think we'll see a lot of political rap start to come out as people reflect um, on the events that have just passed and the events that will come forward. So that's kind of where I see hip hop moving. I see the same thing. I think the two sounds are gonna kind of, I think they're gonna merge into another subgenre of just, you know, mixing, mixing the trap feel that that you know make that energetic feel with the messages, with the political standpoints, um, and the lyrics. And I think, you know, that's a perfect space for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be like if you mix, if you mix the Benny the Butcher lyrical side with a with a, who's like who's like a top like trap artist right now well, look, go like travis scott he, to me he's amazing at feeling you know like like that feeling of a travis scott if you go to a festival and you just mosh pit go crazy and it's a great live performance but at the same time the message is there you know what i'm saying i think that's going to be and that's kind of what i'm working on right now as well that's kind of what i'm gearing towards and i think that that's where the like hip-hop is going to shift towards pretty soon if not already starting to, to make that transition yeah, I'm just excited to see what where hip hop goes. Hip hop is such a changing genre. Like it's it it hasn't stood still not once since yeah. the beginning of hip hop to where it is now. There were always artists. There's always new technology. There's always people trying to push the boundaries, do something new, and that's why you know it's it's amazing for fans to be able to go. Oh, this sounds different. This sounds new, and now we're seeing a lot of Spanish influence. We're seeing a lot of artists from different cultures add that to the trap sound. And it's starting to, you know, give us a lot of different flavors and a lot of different countries and now putting their influence on it. And, you know, we're seeing different beats and different people from different countries do it. And yeah, it's just awesome. It's exploding like crazy. And I think we'll see real growth around the world in hip hop. We've seen, seen it in the States for a long time now, but I think, now in other markets we'll see it head into the mainstream even further is australia have the same kind of dynamic as far as music like is it pretty much the same dominating genres no or is it completely it's hip-hop like when i went to i've only been to hawaii that's the only american state that i've been to but i went to hawaii 
and I would go into a like a a shop and they would play hip hop and I would be like what is happening right now like I'm in dreamland that I get to walk into a shopping center and they're playing hip hop that never had I think I was in Hawaii I think let me think like six years ago or something seven years ago but that would never happen back home that's starting to change now the the evolution of sneakers has you know jumped forward a lot the the, I think the fashion took over first and Mm -hmm. now that people have enjoyed the fashion they're listening to the music like I can hear on the radio more trap songs none of your boom bap like I don't think we'll hear boom bap for a while it's just not commercial in that same way but it is tiktok as well has done a good thing for hip-hop you know we're seeing a lot of those trends and so people will say that's the tiktok song i'm like no it's not the tiktok song (laughs) it's a hip-hop song they made the song before tiktok but you know whatever it is as long as you know it, it continues to gain momentum i'm i'm happy about that but it is starting to get there we're starting to see more artists especially from australia come through um i just don't tell don't Pun? Is Kid Leroy from Australia? He is from Australia. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorites right now. That's my boy. I, I like Kid Leroy, man. I, I need to tap into the Australian market then. It sounds like there's a place for Young World. Well, shout out to Kid Leroy. If you ever want to come on the show, be my guest. But don't tell anyone. I'm still getting used to the Australian accent. I know that's my accent. But there's <laughs> something for me. I like listening to an American accent. There's just something about... The, like, I don't know. I kind of don't want to hear myself on a track, if that makes sense. I like hearing a different voice. So, um, yeah, I'm still getting used to Australian hip-hop just because I've been a hip-hop fan for a long time now. So I've only really been listening to, you know, American music. Okay, yeah, yeah. I need to tap into some... So what's, like, the leading genre in Australia, would you say? What's, like... Pop, I reckon. Pop yeah. is still, you know, your Katy Perry's, your Taylor Swift's, whatever's on the radio, but... Uh, rock was huge i think there's still a really big rock component to australian music honestly i'm just guessing that just an indie rock and all that kind of stuff all my friends in school they did not like the music that i like like at all (laughs) they would never listen to the music like they'd always ask me hey what do you want to put on i'm like well you know what i want to put on but you're gonna hate on me so like you know i'd have to put on my headphones and listen to my own shit and like whatever but um now i can see just in the youth like it's just starting to come through even in movies you can feel it in movies like soundtracks are starting to get a little bit different to what we had in the past they're using hip-hop beats they're using that type of sound i like that i like that i mean we're pushing the culture forward man hey like that it's only it's only good for us to be honest the the bigger it gets the better it is and you know as as I said, as a fan, I get to listen to more music and more people that I get to speak to. And, you know, we get to look behind, you know, more than just the genre, but it is a culture. Definitely. Definitely. It's a, it's a culture. And it's, I think if I'm not mistaken, hip hop is the number one genre in the world right now. Like yeah. Globally. And, and the fastest growing. Yeah. And it's not, I don't see it stopping anytime soon, man. No. You know, cause it's like every genre has, artists who incorporate the hip-hop sound you can't listen to anything i feel right right now that doesn't have you know a hip-hop classic snare in it or the drum pattern is a type of hip-hop drum pattern even pop songs you know like 
they'll might have a, a bridge that's like a completely like a completely different song in a way and it's like they switched it from a pop song to a hip-hop song back to pop and it's like i feel like every genre is incorporating that hip-hop in it and it's going to continue to grow and then you, that's where you get the subgenres that's coming from where people might take that sound and completely create an entire different thing you know somewhere else um you know that incorporates those two kind of fusions so it's just like that's that's dope that the hip-hop culture is just spreading worldwide like rapidly like I, I like that a lot yeah i think it is exploding we're seeing a lot of features as well like a lot of hip-hop artists are starting to feature in pop songs like yeah. i think eminem started that phase like he's been featuring in pop songs for a long time and everyone's like what are you doing stick to hip-hop but um i think we're seeing that a lot you know jay-z and beyonce came out with their own album that is a mix of genres not just one so you know i think that we'll start to see more and more and you know people like i like this song but they don't know why and then they start to realize that it is because they've taken hip-hop elements and just added it into you know an artist they recognize yeah exactly i like that a lot though that means that means way more opportunities for us man that's that's dope that's 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 dope right there i like that well i always finish with the same question um it is the only question that i plan in this podcast um it's probably the hardest one you're gonna get but if you had to recommend one album that everybody listens to other than your own what would it be it'll be burden the proof by benny the butcher (laughs) (laughs) man make sure y'all go listen to that man burden the proof um other than that i would say i would say 50 cent i think it's called no, no, no. Matter of fact, DMX is dark, but hell is hot. That's it right there. There you go. DMX, Benny the Butcher, and you can go listen to 50 Cent. That was what got me into hip hop anyway. So just that's just my recommendation. I think I've talked about 50 Cent in the past, like four or five podcasts. It's, I've just, I don't know. He, he can't did talk about hip hop without talking about him. Yeah. Well, hey, you, you can say that to, to my. The one of the other guys on the podcast, Danny, he he likes to hate a little bit on Fifty Cent. I think he's softened a little bit. He has a go at his lyrical ability, but at the end of the day, you can never hate on Fifty Cent too much. He did so much for the culture. I know. I mean, he's is he not is he not a billionaire yet? He he's close to it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I mean, he just knows how to how to roll in stacks. Hey man, he's and there's so much more to music that I admire about him. That's just goes you know it goes way beyond hip-hop and you know it's just he's just a as a person as a as a businessman his success story is just crazy and that's something that i admire and study you know what i'm saying he's just one of those one of those people like a jay-z yeah and he fights he has so many beefs with people it's so funny on instagram it's funny. It's entertainment, right? he <laughs> trolls people he just trolls it's not even real fights he just like you know, he just jabs people and then laughs at them for a little bit. But yeah, he is a true businessman. Like you, you look at where he made his money. He made his money on vitamin water. I think I read the other day when Coke bought vitamin water, he owned 10% of, yep. of the business. And that's how he made, you know, his money. And now he's producing things and power, you know, people who don't like hip hop are watching that, that TV show. And again, elevating the culture you know a lot of people tell me they don't like it but at the end of the day you watch the movies you you watch the tv shows and you're like this is pretty good well guess what that's hip-hop culture coming through exactly 
Well, man, I appreciate your time. You know, I think, as I said before, 2021 is going to be a big year. Um, just signed with Black Soprano family. So if you didn't hear it the first time, you definitely heard it now. Album Blue is going to come out um, hopefully soon. And I'm excited to see what that sounds like. And I'm sure we'll definitely hear, you know, the skills and what you've learned in terms of going to school come through as well in that album. And you'll actually get to hear proper composition as well. Um, if you didn't know what it sounded like before, you'll probably know what it sounds like now anyway. Um, but yeah, man, it was a pleasure having you on and, and anytime you want to come through, let me know. It'd be great. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for all upcoming podcast news. Bye for now.